Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome, everyone, to the Islanders Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me here, as always, is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he is always the same. That's me. Uh, Grumpy, before we get today's podcast started, um, welcome, everyone, to the twice-a-week Islanders podcast. We go live every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and every Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We also cover Islanders games live. For example, as long as they're not playing on the West Coast, today there was a mid-afternoon Islander game against the, uh, oh, man, we just played them too, Grumpy. St. Louis Blues. Against the St. Louis Blues. And uh, we go live after the game as well, just to go ahead and wrap things up. Um, But if you're new to the channel, we invite you to stick around a while. We invite you to subscribe on YouTube, to like on Facebook, and to follow on Twitter so you don't miss out on any of the Islanders' action. We do not go live on Thursdays and Sundays because we have a separate podcast called TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. So... That is on Thursdays, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and on Sundays, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It can be found in the link in the description below, or it can be found here on YouTube as a featured channel. And why do we like people to subscribe and like and all that stuff? Why do we do that? It helps the algorithm. That's right. Make sure to like the video. Drop a like if you like this content. It always lets us know, number one, you like it, and I think it helps the algorithm out, too. It does does help the algorithm. Absolutely, grumpy. We want more people listening. We want more people watching. That's what we want. Oh, for for certain, for certain, grumpy old man. Now, this is, I feel like this podcast should be called Who Are the Real Islanders, Grumpy, right? Because we've seen a few different forms of the Islanders out here on the ice the last few days. And today, I would argue, was our best performance this year against a, a top caliber team. Wouldn't you agree, Grumpy? I absolutely agree. We've been kind of like Jekyll and Hyde this year for the most part. More uh, Jekyll than Hyde, actually. Um, but, or I don't know, more Hyde than Jekyll. I don't know which one. But long story short, uh, we've been consistently inconsistent. And today was by far, I think, our best game against an actual playoff team. I was about to say, we looked uh, on the defensive side of the puck. I thought we did a great job of siphoning out and keeping opportunities pretty much on the perimeter. I know towards the end, the St. Louis Blues really dialed up the pressure, but I thought we looked good defensively for the most part. I thought goaltending looked good. I mean, there was that that goal that snuck into the post um, that he kind of wasn't prepared for, wasn't able to get himself on the post, Sorokin that is, and it was kind of a borderline weaky goal. And uh, other than that, I thought offensively we looked good too. The power play had good movement to it, and 
there were a lot of a lot of signs of of hope when you watch a game like that today. And we hadn't scored a power play goal, I believe, since February twentieth until today. Wow. Yeah. I did not know that. Wow, February 20th. It had almost been a good solid two weeks since the last time we had scored a power play goal. Anson Carter brought it up on the pregame. It's not like I knew that offhand. I was about to say, Grump, damn, look at you knowing that stuff offhand. No. I was I was impressed no. by you. No. Oh, man. But this is – it. it's the question of who are the Islanders, right? Because earlier on this week, we lose in a very unimpressive fashion on Thursday. I'm sorry. Later on this week, we lost to the Vancouver Canucks and we blew a lead against them. And it just kind of left me scratching my head saying, how the hell did we manage to give up? You know, we give up two goals right down the edge. We had a one goal lead and we give up two to one up losing in regulation four to three, right? As a dying minutes of the clock go off. Yeah. It was like, we didn't, uh, it's like we fell asleep for just a couple of minutes. And I didn't think that was the case today. I mean, like I said, I don't think any Islander fan could be displeased with how we played today. And the young guys, even though they didn't play a whole lot of minutes, all got a shot today. I thought we had more jump. Uh, I just think maybe the subtraction of Zidane Char and Anders Lee, who were two of the slower players in the league, kind of, for me anyway, seemed like the whole team seemed a little bit more energized. And maybe just because you had other guys hustling, where those guys were like statues out there. I want to talk about something about Zidane Chara. I I'm gonna phrase it, you know, I'm not we're not conspiracy theorists or anything like that, but I do find this odd, and I want to talk about. It. But here's the conspiracy theory coming. Okay, TJ, tell us. <laughs> You're not a conspiracy theorist. Let's hear what you have to say. Well, yeah, Grumpy, I will say it's odd, right? The game that Zidane Chara breaks the record for most games played by a defenseman. I didn't, I didn't see anything that looked like it could have been a long-term injury during that game, right? I didn't see any sort of issue that – I know he got taken off the, the ice for a bit, but I, I didn't, it didn't seem too serious. He finished the rest of the game. But Zidane Chara now goes on IR. I'm just kind of left scratching my head and thinking to myself, hmm, I wonder if there was an underlying issue that he's been playing through the majority of this season that uh, he was pushing he was pushing through in order to get to the game mark. And as soon as he hit the game mark, was like, well, I need to go ahead and rest up. And I wonder if he's been playing at a diminished capacity for a while now, and he has been playing, and the team has been letting him play, so he could he could go ahead and surpass that game benchmark. I'm just glad you don't have a conspiracy theory there. I'm glad you. Don't I was want to I was people. wondering. I was wondering. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just. I, I thought it was really oddly convenient because I did think he got a little dinged up in the game. Um, the same game that Matt Barzal got dinged up. That was, I think, the same exact game that they both went out and injured a bit. Was that against the Ducks? Um, I can't remember. Who was the team he broke the record against? I forget. I thought the Ducks. <laughs> okay, then it would be the Ducks. And he missed. He missed against the Avalanche. He missed against the Canucks. And then he's been out against the um, – he was out today against the Blues. Now he's placed on injured reserve. Right. But I mean, both he and Barzell did go out the same game. Do we have any update on Matt Barzell, by the way? Couldn't tell you. Just know it's a lower body injury. Yeah. It looked like something with a knee to me. Yeah, again, lower they keep it really vague. Lower body injury. I don't know. I saw I know Char went off during that game. He came back on. He looked like he was fine. He, I, again, I'm not sure how severe the injury is, but I'll be interested to see how long he's on the IR for. 
he wasn't walking with a limp when he took his got his big picture today and his little framed uh Islander jersey. So the Kings, I'm sorry. They went out against the Kings, not against the Ducks. So both oh. of them played the Kings game and that's when they got injured. Okay. Yeah, that was brutal. That was brutal. That was the brutal game. Yep. That was when Chara and um and Matt Barzal went out. Thank you guys for letting us know in the yeah. chat. Um but uh yeah I, I that's think why that, Islander fans are the greatest, aren't they? Oh yeah, a- absolutely. I'm just I'm just kind of baffled by and our fans in particular are just the best. The best. For for certain they are grumpy. Look at you going in with these cheap pops all over the place, but it's true. They are the best. I say it often. I say it often. They help us out. Mm. We're not perfect. No. Well, you're not anyway. Oh, thank you for that, Grumpy. Um, but uh yeah, so I've I've kind of wondered if he's been playing through something that maybe has been hindering, you know, his play as of recent, and if he was playing through it just so he can hit the record. I don't know. It was odd. I know he got a little dinged up in the game, but he still looked fine out there when he came and returned back on the bench. So I'll be interested to see what actually happened to him. If this was an item he was dealing with long-term or if this is just like a, you know, a little nagging injury that he wants to go ahead and get hundred percent healthy for, for when he gets traded. So he'll be able to make more of an impact on his team. Yeah. I don't think that it's, I don't, I don't think like you do. I think he's actually has some injury and they're waiting for him to heal up. That's I firmly believe that. You think it happened during that game against the Kings? Yes. Yes. I don't think they were just playing him to get him to the record. Do you think it's a little convenient? Uh, again, like I don't know how severe the injury was. That Kings game was like what over a week ago okay. now. Okay. Let's say he was dinged up. Okay. And he's been playing hurt for a long time. Why was he still getting 20 minutes a night? He's an Wouldn't iron. You- I think the guy he's he's probably always athletes to a certain extent always play with you know nagging injuries. Okay, I understand, but if you know according to your theory, um, you know if we were just playing him just to uh, make sure he got that record, maybe they would limit his minutes. They would have put him on the bottom pairing, limit his minutes to 12, 14 minutes a game. If that was the case, he was still playing upwards of twenty minutes a game. I mean, if you're hurt and you can't go and they're just milking you for the record, you wouldn't be playing 20 minutes a game. You wouldn't. I don't think the fans were clamoring to see Zidane Char on the ice 20 minutes a game. I think Coach does that because Coach likes what he sees and Coach likes Zidane Chara. I think Zidane Chara probably has been dealing with a nagging injury all season long and he's been playing at a diminished capacity. But they let him continue to play through this diminished capacity, even though maybe he did need, you know, they said, hey, you're going to need a few weeks off or, you know, you'll need X, Y, Z done to you in order to be healthy again. And he played with the nagging injury until he hit the record. And now he's going to go ahead and get some time to get some rest to get healthy. That's what I believe. To me, uh, then he's had that nagging injury for two and a half years because he didn't look any different to me this year than he had the two previous years. Possibly. Possibly. I have no. He's not hurt. He, he, he wasn't hurt two years ago. He picked up an injury here. Nothing wrong with that. And you will see him before the end of the year. I firmly believe that. I'm not saying you won't. I'm just saying I'll be interested to see how long he'll be out for. He's been out for over a week. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, how long or how severe was the injury that he picked up? Bad enough to be put on injured reserve. Oh, there it is. Oh, man. Oh, man. Um, anyway. Uh, man, you're, I, really, I, you're really scrambling for content when you're looking for that type of conspiracy theory. No, I don't I don't think you're quite understanding what I'm trying to implicate here. And that's that's fine. I'm just telling you, I've seen teams do shit like that. Players who have been, oh, I'm banged up and I don't want to play 
or I've been fighting through the injury to play because I'm, I'm working towards the goal. And as soon as they hit the goal, which was hitting the personal accolade of the games played, well, now I can't fight through that injury anymore because it kind of was really severe. So I was really pushing hard, fighting through this, playing at a diminished capacity for X, Y, Z, for let's say two months or a month. And as soon as I hit the goal that I wanted to hit, I said, you know what? I need to make sure I can get myself healthy. I've seen shit like that happen before in real life. So that's why it doesn't shock me at all if something like that were to happen with Sedano Chara's situation. Wouldn't shock me at all. I'm trying to break a single season catch record here. We go to the postseason. Okay, we're getting there. I break the single season catch record. I'm not able to play the last game here before playoffs because, oh, man, you know what? I was kind of dealing with this injury the entire time, but now I broke the record. This is a big game against the rival. I can't get out there because I'm, I'm feeling a little sore. I'm okay. like I've had this injury. I've been battling all year. Okay, I understand. I understand what you're saying. Like when Gronkowski needed a catch, one catch to get a million-dollar bonus. And so what do they do? They threw a quick little dink, uh, tight end screen to get him that catch. Well, you know what they didn't do? They didn't play him, you know, every single snap. That's what I'm saying. He would have been – let's say that was the case. He wanted to get that. He wouldn't have been playing over 20 minutes a game, first of all. And number two, do you think Sedano Char is that type of player? I do not. I absolutely do not. He was playing over 20 minutes a game. If he's hurt, he and he, he was hurt, and the goal was to make sure that he played those games, they would have limited his ice time. That was not the case. Okay. But again, it's 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 hazy. I, I'm just saying, I don't know how severely he was hurt. I hope he gets back healthy. Uh, here's the thing. <clears throat> I hope he's healthy enough to be tra- traded at the deadline, right? That's, that's what it kind of all comes down to. Well, I heard that. Uh, I read something in ESPN that said that uh, he wants to finish this year out with the Islanders because he made a commitment. Bullshit. Um, but I, I'm just telling you what I read. I'm not saying it's true or not. And if somebody offered something for a trade, they that Lamarillo would go to him and would uh, honor his request either to stay or get traded. His uh, family still lives up in Boston. Just a little FYI. Here's Here's the thing. This is how I look at that. You know what? Look at all these, look at all these altruistic individuals the Islanders have had over past, right? John Tavares didn't want to get traded because he's the captain. I'm the captain on this team. I made a commitment to be the captain on this team. I don't want to be traded. I want to be here on the island. I'm not it's not it's not an apples to apples comparison. I'm just saying, great. I'm glad that you love to be here on the island. I'm glad that you want to f- finish your commitment. But here's the thing: this is simply a business decision, not personal, buddy. I understand, but Let's say he says, okay, forget it. I'm not, I have my record because, you know, TJ said that's the only reason I was playing. So uh, if I get traded, I'm just not going to report because I don't want to. And it's a different, the difference between Tavares and Chara was Tavares was going to be an unrestricted free agent who was going to make a boatload of money and you could have got a lot for him. What do you think you're getting for Chara? Tops. Tops. I mean, fifth round pick, tops, maybe fourth. That's it. It's not like you're you're you know getting a first in players. You're getting like a fourth or fifth round pick tops. Mm. I just think the situation is a little different. That's all. 
I know his was an upper body injury. It's a little different. I know he missed time that game, but I thought I swore he came back on the bench. Maybe I'm misremembering things because I don't I think he, got played, into the fight. he got into the fight. Okay. Maybe he didn't play. I remember seeing him back on the bench. Maybe he didn't come in back in and maybe I'm just making this crazy nonsense up. It could yeah. obviously be that too. I thought he did come back on the bench and did come back in the game. I know he did have the upper body injury, but I don't know. It's one of those things that I'll be, you know, looking for. I don't think you're going to get a lot for Zidane Chara, but here's the thing. If somebody offers you something, because they find Zidane Chara, Zidane Chara useful. Sorry, you're gone. Now, the only issue I have with it, okay, if Chara goes out, what should the Islanders have done for the most? They probably should have brought Robin Sallow up and played him out there and not put Andy Green back in because Andy Green cannot play anymore. I mean, even if Andy Green is on the block, what he's not going to get you more than a sixth-round pick. What did Braden Colbert get us last year? A sixth? Did we get a sixth? Give up a sixth for him? Yes. <sighs> So that's, so that's, I mean, for me, that's all you can expect to get for Andy Green. But those picks do add up. And if you have enough, you can package them to move up in the third round, move up in the fourth round, whatever. I mean, I'm not opposed to moving any of those older players at this stage of the game. All I'm saying here is this. Andy Green has come on there and said he wants to end and retire as an Islander, too. He wants to finish the year out. Here's Again, I just... <sighs> I'm sorry. I, you know, I'm great. I'm glad everybody wants to stay here and, and on their expiring contracts. Does Cal Clutterbuck want to stay here too? Does he want to retire an Islander? He's going to retire after this year. Let's say hypothetically, he's got the two fingers. He has no feeling in was contemplating retirement two years ago. Does he want to retire an Islander now too? And he doesn't want to get traded. Is that going to be the same thing with Parise? So we can't trade any of these guys. Cause they really like being here. I'm sorry. No, Well, that's a whole nother thing. Just, I mean, here's the thing. Maybe Lamarillo respects that too much. I don't know for me. It is a business. And of course, anybody who's in their mid thirties is not going to want to move their family for, you know, you know, two months period of time. They're not going to want to do that. Of course, they all want to stay here. I mean, and if you've won a Stanley cup before, like Chara, uh, you know, okay, I've got my ring. I don't need to go somewhere else. I want to be comfortable. But once again, his family, like says, living in Boston, but if it's me, I'm looking to move as many pieces as I can. And by that, I mean, you know, I'd love to be able to move a Josh Bailey and a Semyon Volomov. I don't know if it's possible, but for me, it would be almost criminal if you didn't move a Zach Parise and a Cal Clutterbuck for certain, because their value is never going to be higher than it is right now on expiring deals. If you can get a second and a third for those two players, I think you're doing well. I really do. And again, the reason, and, and kind of shifting one more, just a touch back on it. The reason, again, it's after that Chara hit, it was a hit in the second period. He did not return back to the bench. But when he went on the bench originally, it didn't look like there was an initial injury. So I don't I don't know. That's maybe why I'm hypothesizing this. He, I don't know. He left maybe he tore a muscle. I don't oh, know. Shit. If, you if you tore a muscle, he's not coming back this year. He's done playing for the season. Well, no. Who knows? I'm just saying that... For me, anyway, I don't think he was playing through an injury. I think got it probably, it probably doesn't look like that, unless it's something that's been kind of like a muscle thing that's been bothering him, and he just re-aggravated it like an AC joint, right? Let's say his AC joint was sore. I used to get those in football, and you hit somebody, and he, he threw a hit, and it just kind of jarred it the wrong way, and he went off. It's very possible that could be it, too. I have no idea. Probably in all likelihood is not him just trying to, to sandbag it or trying to get to that to get to that milestone he was playing severely injured. Probably not that. I can guarantee you he's not sandbagging it. I just said I'm wrong, Grumpy. I was just saying it could have been, but now that I'm looking at things, probably not.
Okay. Um, anyway, that being said, uh, regarding the trade deadline, I, I'm sorry. When, when, when a team comes and offers you a trade or a deal for a player, I, if it's comparable to what you think the player is worth, I'm accepting. I don't care how valiant they are and how much you love them and how much they're they're part of the community. I'm sorry. You got to take assets. I mean, it's as simple as it is as a business. Yes. And, you know, great. Thank you for your time and service. Andy Green, Zidane Ochara, Zach Parise, Varlamov, Bailey. I know those are the five names they put up um, today on the NHL Network broadcast of the game. Um, there are other guys I'd like to try to move, but those guys, I mean, is there a market for Bailey? How good? How big is the market for Varlamov, who's not looked good? Um, I think the biggest market, honestly, right now, is for Zach Parise. I don't think I, it's even I close for a second. Parise, yeah, I think Zach Parise is going to have a lot. He's played well as of late, which helps. Um, you said about Varlamov. Here's the thing. I think teams will look at what Varlamov has did, did last year and what he did in the playoffs, and they'll say that's a guy we'll, we want to roll the dice on. I, the Islanders, for the most part, defensively have been woeful this season. Yeah, I disagree. I don't think his. I think he's he's looked bad. First of all, his numbers are bad. You don't you think have, you're look at the performance he had last year and what he's done in the playoffs in the past. You don't think they're going to no, do that? No, I look at who's playing, who's hot now. That's who I want. I don't. I don't care about last year. Last year's last year. This year is this year. Sometimes a change of scenery helps players, and that's what I mean. Why they would maybe would look at last year. Last year, he had a, a solid defense in front of him. This year, the defense has been woeful for the most part, generally speaking. And he, and he let in soft goals in every single playoff game he had. I don't know. If you have guys like Flurry and Grigoriev on the market, I think... Why do you why do you keep hammering on Grigoriev? Grigoriev because is Because he's on the market. Because okay. he's on the There's market. a reason he's on the market, because he's not a good goalie. It's no, he's on the market because you have Shesterkin. They're both the same age. That's why. So you trade Grigoriev... You can get something for him, and you. Shosturkin's your long-term starter. They're both twenty-six. Grigoriev, Grigoriev, grumpy old man, has an eight-nine-seven save percentage. That's why he's on the market because he's been playing straight shit this year. Well, so okay. is Varlamov. Okay, no, 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 no. Uh, a, a below nine save percent, below nine zero zero save percentage, and like a nine whatever, a nine sixteen, nine seventeen, whatever Varlamov has is a very big difference. Grigoriev, I know you kept pushing out in the podcast, and I was like, I didn't even look up his numbers. Grigoriev is not good. <laughs> if, if maybe, rolling, maybe somebody else has interest in him. He Grigor adds his stats against the Islanders. Always has historically. Gregoriev has been a good goalie in the past for the Rangers, though. So it's the same thing. Hey, I like Gregoriev. Last year, he was really good. Last year, he wasn't really good. Last year, here are Gregoriev's stats. I mean, before you make comments like that, a nine oh five save percentage was not really good last year on a really bad defensive Ranger team. Okay, two point seven one goals against. I'm just saying if I'm rolling the dice, I'm rolling the dice on a 26-year-old as opposed to a 34-year-old who gets paid $5 million a year. That's what I'm doing. Doesn't he have a contract that's coming up due, Gregoriev? He'll be restricted free agent, yeah. Okay, so you think Gregoriev's... So he's still under team control. Okay. Varlamov has an extra year on his contract. He's still under team control. Yeah, but he's $5 million Are you, are you really trying to think that is going to have a higher market value than some uh, Simeon Varlamov have traded? Yes. No freaking way. You're okay. not. Okay. We'll see. What is What has Gregoriev done in his history? His best season was his rookie year when he was 21 years old, when he has a 9.18 save percentage. Other than that, he's never been over 9.14, never been over 9.15 once in his career besides that rookie year when he played 10 games. 
He's been a career backup. He's never been a starter. Varlamov has been a starter many places he's been and has playoff experience. Grigoriev is not that. You're asking me? I'm taking Grigoriev over Varlamov. If your team making a playoff push today and you say, I want to win, you're taking Grigoriev over Simeon Varlamov? Yeah, I just don't think Varlamov's that good. I don't think Varlamov, I've never thought he's that good. He's solid. Oh solid. my God, dude. He's and he's never gonna get better. He is what he is. A guy will give up at least one week a game. That's all. Gregoriev, I don't know. You don't watch a lot of Rangers game. He must be giving up at least two weekies a game with those type of numbers. I don't know. <laughs> I, like I said, that if I you're asking me who I would take a flyer on, it would be on the younger guy who has a chance to get better. He's been playing. He's not playing the, on a team. It's not. It's not a flyer. Don't mischaracterize that. That is you pushing for a playoff, saying what goalie helps us win the Stanley Cup, and you think Grigoriev's that goalie right now, as opposed to Varlamov. That's nuts. Yeah, I think I think Flurry is number one. I agree that Flurry is number one. Yeah, I think Varlamov is a clear number two. I don't think okay. it's close. Okay, he's not been very good this year. He's not. He's, been very he's good. not been very good this year, and he still has a nine twelve save percentage. Think about that. He's not played well in the 17 games that he's played, or he's only started 15 games. Out of the 15 games he started, he's got three wins, 11 losses, 11 losses in regulation, and one overtime loss. That's the guy you want to bring in for a Stanley Cup run. He can't even win a game. Okay. His numbers are better. It's the same thing. I just don't think he's he's been that good. And here's the thing. The Islanders still, still, to this day, play a better defensive system than the Rangers do. Period. And you think Gregoriev has had a good year? I think he's better than Varlamov. That's what I said. Holy shit. I I think he's better than Varlamov. You're freaking nuts. Okay, that's fine. Okay. When I'm proven right again, you can eat that big plate of crow. And what happens? Okay, here's in all likelihood, Varlamov's not going to be traded at the deadline. If he that's is a failure. That's a failure from Lou Lamarillo then. You have to offload him. You can't have a backup who makes $5 million a year. And he's, let's be honest, the clear backup to Sorokin now. The clear backup. It's not a 1A, 1B situation anymore. It's one and then three. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Sorokin is infinitely better and deserves the lion's share of the games compared to Varlamov. Varlamov, to me, is a guy that you roll out there if the other guy's hurt or if he's a little tired. That's it. He shouldn't even deserve a regular uh, rotational game. He's just not good enough anymore. I think Sorry. If, we, I th- if I think if we had Grigoriev, it'd be like a 1A, 1B again. No, I don't think it would either. <laughs> he's but he's a lot cheaper than Mar- Varlamov. That's all. And here's the thing. He's not going to get a $5 million a year contract, even at 26. He's not going to get that money. Grigoriev has never been a starting goalie in his entire freaking NHL career. You're right. That's why. Because he's not a freaking starter. He's never been a starter ever, 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 ever. And probably never will be. He you're, you're, you're in a prime of your career at 25 years old as a netminder, and you have save percentage under nine. Tells you all you need to know about him. Okay. You don't like him. I think he's I think he's better than you no, think. That's I all. don't like him. I just I, I think your valuation of him is way off base. Okay, that's fine. When I'm proven right again, 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 again. I don't know how many times you keep on taking these stands and you're wrong all the time. No, no, we haven't. Okay, Grumpy, we're still we're still waiting. Jury's still out on Zach Parise. 
right? If we trade him, which I think we should, I said, you're probably most likely going to get a second. You, you said it first. Second. Hold said on. First. Again, you, you bullshit. First. Bullshit, bullshit. I said, you will get a second. I said, I could maybe even see us getting a first if the if, if we go ahead and coax a team out of it. I could see us maybe even getting as no, high as a first. That's you playing Willy Waffle Cone because you said first. People started bullshit. calling your go ass back, out on it. Go back and listen to it, Grumpy. It was last freaking episode. Listen Take here. ass I'm over there and hit play hey, and listen hey, to the podcast. Listen here. Freddie flip-flop. I'm telling you what you said. And the people who listen to this know exactly what you said. They called you out on it when I made this same thing. I said, you said a first. And then you went to Little Waffle. I said he's going to get a second. He's not getting a first. He'll get you a second. He's going to get a first. First. That's what I say. Yeah. Everyone knows. And I'm sure they're going to fill in the comments. Like, TJ, why don't you tell us how again how Andrews Lee is better than Patrick Kane? Those type of comments are coming. Because that's what you Grumpy, are. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, Grumpy. I'll pull that. And once I pull that, here's the thing. If I pull that and I'm right on this, I don't ever want to hear about your bullshit, Andersley, because you misremember. You do this shit all of the time, Grumpy. Everyone listen listen, listen here. Listen here. I said it, and I'll clarify it again, and I'll pull up the one from last podcast, Grumpy. And when we play it on screen, and I'm right, Grumpy, I don't want to hear any shit because I think your memory is mush. Your no. brain is mush, Grumpy. No, mush. This, this is what happened. Initially, you said it was the first, and then everyone started bombarding you. I could see him maybe even getting a first-round pick. That's verbatim. Oh, oh, yeah, I could see maybe under perfect circumstances. No. No, no, Waffle Cone. That's not what it was. Okay, sure. That should be your new nickname, Waffle Cone. If you wouldn't eat the name, that would be your nickname. Oh, sure, sure. Okay, here's the thing. Just to clarify for you again, two weeks before the deadline, he'll get at least a second, may even get a first. That I don't, have, I think I don't know how much more clear I need to be. Okay. I don't think there's like any room for that to be. You're, the, back, you're backing true. off. You, will. you said first. You guaranteed first, and then you backed Bullshit. off. That's fine. Everyone oh. heard you. They heard you. They commented said, on Grump, I don't think TJ said a first. He said two first. And then I said maybe seven first because I had no, to get there you, go. you did that correct. bullshit. What, you even did that bullshit during the podcast last week. You said, you do, well, here, I'm backing up on that. I'm like, no, listen to what I say. You make yes, I do. You make those blanket, oh. idiotic statements, and then you get called out, and then you, then you try to, uh, you try to backstroke your way. Your Willy Waffle cone it. Your Freddie flip flop fly boy. That's what you wind up doing. And then everyone else is seeing what you do. And I almost want like to put the podcast on. Pa- I almost want to put the podcast on pause so I could just pull up the freaking thing so I don't forget about it and just immediately play it as everybody can hear it right now. But yeah, for the later in that podcast. If later in that podcast, you did do your little backflip thing where you said, oh, definitely a second, maybe a first. That's not what you initially say. There you go, Grump. Just stop. Thank you. Thank you, Jeremy. And we'll have to pull it up and show Grumpy's wrong. He does this shit all the time because it fits his narrative that I'm crazy and I have no idea. I, yeah. Drew Licata, he remembers. He remembers exactly what you said. <laughs> he remembers. He called you out on it last podcast. Right. You're ridiculous. You're ridiculous, Grump. You're ridiculous. Anyway, long story short, we're not getting a first round pick for Zach Parise. I said we may. I still think that's a possibility. No, no shot, none. Okay, sure. But I think you get a second for him. Anyway, that's getting true. back to getting back to the point, we should start to see hopefully as early as this next week some pieces coming off the board. We should start to see that. As Islander fans, right? Trade deadline is the twenty first, not the twenty second. Like like I've been saying, but the the twenty first of March. That is not this Monday, not next Monday. It's two Mondays from now. If you can find a way, and I think you'll have to be proactive on this, to get Arizona to take Josh Bailey off your hands, I think you have to do that as soon as possible. 
The reason being, they're saying that they're willing to take on contracts. Well, guess what? Other teams are going to be willing to do that as well. So for me, you got to be proactive in that regard, at least in that regard. Mm-mm. I I think some players could be moved. You want you obviously don't want to be, I don't know. The talent of the team is not so unbelievable. The talent of the players that we're moving, I don't think, is at the upper echelon of the market. So it's not like we could set the market by saying, hey, moving a guy like this sets the market. I mean, the one that could possibly do so is Parise if some team wildly overpays. But you hold on, hold on, hold on. You think that Parise is a guy who could be at the top of the market? No, 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 no. I said to set the market. You don't have to be the top player to set the market. You can say Parise was middle of the pack or upper middle of the pack, and if he got XYZ, that means that my player who's higher needs to get this or my player who's lower should get near that. I'm not saying he's the top of the, the, top of the pack. I'm just saying uh, somebody needs to get moved to set the market. Right, we saw Tyler Toffoli get moved, but again, that's a guy who is more of a long-term option. He has more implications. We didn't see one of the deadline pieces or one of the rental pieces get traded yet. Once we see a first rental, we'll kind of understand what the market looks like. Yeah, for me, like I said, the first guy for me that we need to move is Josh Bailey. If if you are actually going to move him to Arizona, for instance, no, uh, no playoff team is going to want Josh Bailey. I thought maybe. Colorado, maybe Colorado. When you said that, there's nobody who wants. I even tried to entertain it. There's no playoff caliber team that's going to want Josh Bailey. Come on, there's not. That's what I, I thought. There's not. I thought maybe Colorado um, for a third line role, but then you're hearing all the, the names that they're banding about for them. They're they're in it to win it. They're talking about uh, Giroux. They're talking about Patrick Kane. They're not talking about Anders Lee, but they are talking about Patrick Kane and. To me, if that's what you're shooting for, you're not even looking. You're not even sniffing Josh Bailey. I still think Cal Clutterbuck would be a nice ad for them. They they looked at Cal Clutterbuck seriously. So, but if you're talking about Arizona, who's once again willing to take on contracts, you don't want to be the last guy jumping in that boat. You want to be the first guy to make sure that they take his contract off your hands. You can't wait till deadline day and expect that to happen. I agree with that. But here's the thing. Bailey's been healthy scratched. What he plays he plays on the ice like he's a healthy scratch. I'm just saying, I'm trying to think about what what the opinion is by by Lou Lamarillo and by Barry Trotz of Josh Bailey. That's like that puts the indicator on whether he'll get moved or not. If they find him invaluable, doesn't matter how shitty he is as plain as day to see, they won't move him if they think he's got some sort of role here. Even the Josh Bailey sycophants realize that he sucks now. He's always just been an average player. He has been an average guy. He's His been whole he's career been average. Who's benefited that he's been playing on the top two lines undeservedly so, and he's he's never been a top two line player. He's a, he's a sidecar. He's always I been will there. I will recant what I said. He did have some seasons to where he was above average. But for the most part, generally speaking, as and if you look at the, the longevity of his career, he's been an average guy. Someone has to make plays for him. He's he's a sidecar. That's what he is. He's a facilitator. That's all he is. He's not even a facilitator. He's a secondary assist guy. 
I'm not That's saying he's he a is. playmaker. I'm saying he facilitates the offense to where it's here. Okay, I'm standing at point B, and I just passed. I passed the puck off to somebody else who's in in motion, and I can go ahead and hit them. I could thread the needle, and he does that occasionally with really nice passes. And I have somebody else who has to finish it for me. That's what he. That's what he is. Okay, here's what it is. You know, you have a batter, right? That's the goal scorer. I'm going to draw a baseball analogy. The batter's batter. The scorer. Okay. You have a batter who's like. You know, the guy, he's the goal scorer. Then you have the guy who's most important. That's like the bat boy to make sure that he gets the right bats. Josh is like a pine tar rag boy where he gives them the pine tar rag so they can rub it on the bat for the batters to use. That's what he is. He's not even a bat boy. He doesn't even pick. He doesn't even set up the hitter by giving him the right bat. He just gives the guy, the, the bat boy, the pine tar rag. He's pine tar rag boy. That's what he is. He's pine tar rag boy. Oh, good gracious, Crump. That's 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 a very accurate description of what he is. You paint such a flowery picture for Josh Bailey. He is what he is. Oh man. Um, Here's the thing: if he was a career third liner, making two million dollars a year, no problem at all with Josh Bailey. It's the fact that he makes the money that he makes five million per masquerades as a top six player, and that's when he gets exposed. Well, let's talk about this because I've seen I've seen you know people opining this even more out there on social media saying that the team plays better offensively without Matt Barzal. Now that he's been out right since the Kings game, right? They could say you know I've looked at a sample size. I could say that you know even once we equate in the Ducks where they where they won four nothing, the Avalanche were lost five to three, the Canucks. Where they lost four to three, and then today when they won two to one, right? The last four games, they've looked better offensively um, without Matt Barzal. Maybe that coincides with the loss of Anders Lee. Uh, maybe the fact that Oliver Wallstrom and Kiefer Bellows are playing semi-regular shifts. Maybe a lot of things, or maybe the fact uh-huh. that Kyle putting Kyle Palmieri and Zach Parise on the same line has kind of helped as well. Because I'll tell you what, when Matt Barzell was centering those two. Their numbers were really, really good for the number of games that they played together. Maybe it's just the fact that you had the wrong mix up with Matt Barzell, meaning Anders Lee on the first line. You know, that's another thing. The team seemed to play better when Anders Lee got dropped in the lineup and when he was out today. Maybe that's the bigger thing. Instead of forcing Anders Lee into a top six role where he's not qualified anymore, doesn't work. Maybe that's the case. Maybe it's nothing to do with Matt Barzell. Maybe it's the fact that Anders Lee isn't shackling your offensive production on the first line. He does nothing except stand in front of the net. Mm. That's a that's a problem. You see Parise and Palmieri, all both of them skate. What's Matt Barzell's game? Is skating. That's maybe that's why they've been so productive. I think No Dobson taking a huge step forward over this last month or so also you know, has been a big indicator of the team's offensive success. Again, he's far from a finished product on the defensive side of the puck. Offensively, though, he's looking more and more like what we had expected him to be and to bloom into. Well, he's finally been given a chance. And maybe Barry said, you know, after he saw when Lambert was there, he's like, you know what? Go for it, kids. I have faith in you now. Barry has shown faith in him. He absolutely has. When Barry first came back, took a little step back, but he's just taken off now. And maybe Barry has full trust in him right now. And that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. Barry should have all trust in him. He's been our best. Def- he and Pellick defensively, but overall, Dobson's been our best defenseman this year. 
I was about to say. I, I want to see those two on the Defensively, Dobson's still got room to go. I think that Pelic is a better defensive defenseman at the moment. So is Pulak. If we're talking about like complete pitcher offense and defense, I think Dobson is up there because I mean he brings so much more off, noticeably more offense than any other defenseman on his team. Yes, that's why I'm saying he's our best all-around defenseman. Pelic defensively is our best defenseman. Pulak is eh. in the right deal. You can have Pulak. Mayfield's played well offensively as well this year too. He's had a little bit of offensive touch and defensively he's been. I mean he's been steadfast. Yeah, I like I said, I'm still taking Dobson over him. In my opinion, I mean, and he's only 22, just turned 22. No, no, no. no. We're talking about right now. We're not talking. He's about better. He's better than he's better than Scott Mayfield. Period. Okay. Do you want me to say it? I just said it. Well, no, you, you you were making a comment of who was better this year, and then you said, well, he's also 22. Age has nothing. He's also going to get better. Okay. I'm not saying he's not going to get better in the future. I'm saying it should have no indication on what his performance has been this year. His age should not even be brought up into the equation okay. on that particular situation. Okay. He's been our best defenseman all year long. Best all-around defenseman, Noah Dobson. Period. Adam Pellick defensively, all-around, Noah Dobson. Because Pellick brings nothing to the table offensively. Nothing. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I, I've i got extremely high hopes for Noah Dobson. I, I will say that much. I think he's got he's got the special and the potential to be something special. Still has to clean things up on the defensive side of the puck. Offensively, though, he's uh, he might be one of the best offensive defensemen we've, we've had since what, Grumpy? I don't even uh, know the last guy I could compare this, him to. Yeah, it's been quite a while since we had defensemen of his caliber offensively. Mark Streit, he put up pretty good numbers. He's going to surpass Mark Streit. Well, I'm just saying, you just said who's maybe the best offensive defenseman skill-wise since who? I said Mark Streit. That's Not what... Brian Strait, Mark Streit. No, I know. I I forgot that Gosh, Mark remember Brian Strait? Oh, unfortunately, yes. Holy shit. Wasn't he like a guy... Wasn't he a guy who was uh, like a, a seventh defenseman for Pittsburgh, and then we moved him to top four role or something when he moved here to us? When you're bad, that's those are the things you do. I forgot Mark Strait. His first NHL game wasn't until he was 28 years old, because he played in the overseas or something. Yeah, I forgot he had played overseas for oh so long, and he wanted to play from 28 to 40. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, he played. I mean, he put up good numbers for us. Yeah, like 56 points a season, you know. That's so. pretty good. Yeah. Absolutely it is. Um but you know, it's 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 one more question that I want to ask before we kind of, you know, get to the ad read and then go ahead and jump through some comments. Um I want to ask you who do you think is more to blame with this season? And I'm conflicted on it, right? Because I see sometimes like today's performance against St. Louis is exact. It's the quintessential New York Islanders performance. We look good from start to finish, offensively and defensively. I was impressed. I was, you know, happy about the production. And then you look at how we collapse against the Vancouver Canucks. You look at back a few games ago against the Kings, where we looked woeful. I mean, you know, we kind of have this Jekyll and Hyde personality. Who is more to blame? Is it the players? Is it the coach? Is it the general manager? I think everyone shares in the blame. Uh, at the end of the day, the players are responsible for their performance on the ice. The general manager and the coach, I consider them kind of combined, if you know what I mean, because Barry likes a certain type of player. Lou went, went out and got those players. He went out and got Chara and Parise. 
because that's what Lou likes. Uh, that's what Barry likes. He likes veterans that he can depend on. What happens is while those guys were good, sometimes they're not. And Barry is kind of inflexible when it comes to playing younger guys or even changing up lines. Anders Lee has never been a fit for Matt Barzell, for instance. But he rolls him out there with Matt Barzell every single game. It's not a surprise to me that Matt Barzell's game picked up after they took Anders Lee off of that line. Not at all. Because Anders Lee isn't a fit. Why it took how long for Barry to break them up? Years, right? Why it took that long for him to realize that? That's on Barry Trotz. He just kind of gets set in his ways and he doesn't think about any alterations. It's not a mistake that all of a sudden the lines have been totally jumbled up and now you're seeing more production. Sometimes guys get stale together. You have to mix them up. Lamarillo, like I said, is is blame is not blameless because he's the guy who brought these guys in. He's the guy who traded Devontae's short-sighted things as opposed to making anything better in the long haul. But, you know, the players are responsible too. I don't think it's one, two, or three. Everyone's kind of responsible for this season. The players maybe get a little bit more of a pass because I just think a lot of them can't play anymore at the high level that they have in the past. I, I do. Now, that's that's kind of where I pick up where, you know, you and I agree a bit. I think that, you know, everybody always, it's not, you know, it's not, you know, black and white. Everybody does share a certain degree. I think coach's system requires ultimate effort every shift. And for players now that are in their 31, 32, 33, it's tough to play ultimate effort every shift. And that's what, again, allows us sometimes to look like we're, you know, on our heels and, you know, like we're on rollerblades going in the backwards direction. And and that's what's caused us to defensively, I think, look like we were in shambles sometimes this year. When I see performances like we had today, I think to myself, wow, crazy what happens again when it looks like everybody's out there motivated playing a playoff style of hockey. They're being physical out there on the ice and, again, matching the physicality that the St. Louis Blues were sending out there. And then we also see, okay, there's no Zidane Chara who was just – it was a mystery why he plays for us, a mystery – and there's no uh, Anders Lee. Again, I don't think Anders Lee is a guy you want. It's a healthy scratch, you know, going forward. But, you know, when Matt Barzal's out there, he's not a fit. You're right. Anders Lee shouldn't be playing macho major minutes. And there's still things that, that Trotz does on a consistent basis that make me scratch my head. I think about Oliver Wallstrom, right? Scores a goal early on five-on-five five hockey and winds up only playing eight minutes and 30 seconds of ice time. You've got guys like Matt Martin, who is finished, and I mean absolutely finished, playing 12 or 13 minutes tonight. And I get it was a more physical game. That's why you wanted to have him out there. But Oliver Wallstrom throws the body around. I don't get why Oliver Wallstrom is always the odd man out, why he's always the guy who has to take the seat. I just don't get that. He He's a guy who played, what, eight minutes and 30 seconds tonight, and he scored a goal, <laughs> he scored a goal in the first period eight, and played eight minutes and 30 seconds. 8.52. I'm sorry, eight minutes and 52 seconds. That type of shit just drives me nuts. And those things have been going on all freaking year with trots. Yeah. That's, I, that, you talk about player growth. That doesn't help players grow. When you're only giving him like six minutes of ice time on five on five hockey every night, tough to become better at it. And that's, see, that's on Barry Trotz, without a doubt. And Lamarillo shares blame too. I'm sorry, just to finish up. Lamarillo shares blame. I agree with you on your point. He puts the players in, they act as one arm. Amar uh, Lamarillo and Trotz both agree with the same ideology. The players have struggled this year, and some players have shown 
you know, that they were invisible for long stretches and now have started to kick it up now that it seems like the season's over. I'm sorry. Get back to your point, though. Yeah. For me, I know it's, it's not a developmental league. The NHL is a developmental league. But at some point in time, you have to give these guys a legitimate shot and just say, you know what? We're going to ride it out with you because you will get better. Because the more you play in every circumstance against the best players in the world, the better you're going to be. And it's I'd much rather have it be sooner than later while you still have team control under, over these players as opposed to, well, you know what? We'll let them play two or three years of 11 minutes a game and maybe they'll step up just in time to be a, become a restricted free agent. I mean, I, I just think that's foolish. Look at other teams around the league. Most of them don't do that. And they're better in the long run. In the short run, probably not. But in the long run, you're a better team if you develop your younger players at a young age. That's just my opinion. Mm. I don't I don't disagree on that, Crumpy. Um, but uh, if you had to put percentages on what the blame was, I don't think it's a 33-33-34 split. If I'm putting – I maybe put 10% on the players. I'm thinking – Trotz has probably got for me. I, oh, shit. Maybe you could split between Trotz and Lamarillo, to be honest with you. I think if we're doing, you know, 10% of the players, I'm going 45 and 45 between Trotz and Lamarillo. I think they're more to blame than the players are in this equation. I'll go. Uh, My rationale is the players are the same players that we had, that they had inherited with Gar Snow, right? They were ultimately limited. They have overachieved as a bunch in a group for a long time period. I don't expect players when they're entering their thirties to continue to elevate their game. My expectation for them is they're continuing to fall. And how does the general manager and how does a coach find a way to cope with a team that's on the decline when it comes to with guys getting older? So that's why I put maybe 10% on the players, 45% there on coach and general manager each. Okay. I'm going to go with 25 for the players. Um, then I'm going to go, so how many is that? 75 left, 40 for Barry, and 35 for Lamarillo. And I'm just, you got, here's another thing to remember. I'm not an analytics geek, as everyone knows. I go by what I see. But analytically, we have wildly overperformed the last number of years based on how we play. We've been, had a lot of puck luck, so to speak. And maybe this is just the natural regression that we're seeing with the older players. And like I said, I mean, I think everybody on our team is a great person. But at some point in time, if you just can't do it anymore, you have to be proactive and move those guys out. They're not going to get better as they get in their 30s. That's how you. That's why you break in the younger players earlier so you have a ready-made replacement when these guys come up. And that's. I think that's the biggest failure on our part as an organization the last couple of years. Okay. So I was hoping you were actually going to depict why you put the percentages on there, but you didn't. That's fine. Um, well, I just explained it before. So, and then I just gave you the number. Okay. Fair enough. Um, but Grump, we do have an ad to read from DraftKings. Hoop fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. 
a sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take a shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes at DraftKings with with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code THPN and bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 years or older. Minimum age and, and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Void where prohibited. A minimum of $5 deposits required. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text TN Redline, which is 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, Call 888-789-7777 or 777-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, which is 467-369. Uh, Hopenny. Hopenny. That's right, Grumpy. That was an awful lot of sevens. Probably if people go Three, seven, 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 I was like, I think I said seven, six times. I'm like, let me go back. I'm like, then I said it two. I'm like, well, hold on. Let me say it four times. So no, it's only, there's four sevens at the end. It's not like there's 16 sevens you have to fit in there. Okay. <laughs> um, got some comments here. Um, Drill said, I, I seriously though, uh, Vegas was trying to rig this game in favor of the blues. Glad to see that it didn't happen. The Islanders prevailed. I don't know about that. Not for this game, anyway. Well, with the redirection, I think they're talking about and the goaltender interference on Bellows. Technically, his stick did touch. Now, um, Danico said it was the the touching of the skate is what got it negated, but he did That's touch bullshit. the stick. I would say more the stick. Here's I, the thing. He wasn't making that save. I don't care what happened. It was not making that save. Yep, I agree. Jerben says the NFL is 100% rigged. I'm going to say 97%. I think it is rigged. I couldn't tell you how much, though. I do, I do believe it is rigged. No doubt, in my mind, Grumpy. It wasn't rigged when Tom Brady was playing, but now that he's gone, even though he'll be back, uh, it'll probably be more rigged. Oh, now that Brady is gone, it's gonna be more. It's gonna, it's gonna be, it's gonna be rigged now. It wasn't rigged though when Brady was playing. No, he overcame all the rigness. Oh, okay, gotcha. Hmm. Mm, grumpy. He's coming back. He's coming back. You watch. Christ, Jesus Christ. Can't go podcast without talking about him. Um, Frank K said good win. Sorokin was excellent in the final minute. I tell you, Sorokin had a fantastic game today. Again, a guy who's now top, he's sixth in the NHL right now in save percentage. He's played fantastic hockey this season. Again, he's led in a few weekies here and there, but when you talk about making huge saves and big moments, he seems to do that on a consistent basis. And that's, that's what you want from your goalie. That's the key for a goalie is making big saves at crucial times. And that's something he does very, very well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely does. Um, and what's things, up? Let's be uh, honest. Things got a little squirrely at the end, right? Let's for certain honest. they did. For certain. What's up, Alexander? What's up, Brian B? Um, Drew L says it helps out. Uh, it helps the algorithm is watch hours and likes. Yeah, whatever that is, do it. Help us. <laughs> Frank K says uh, Bailey has to go. He's ridiculously weak. And that I mean, was, the last play, the goal that Sorokin gave up, which was, you know, short side. He wasn't able to get all the way on the post. Bailey just watched the guy take multiple whacks at it in front of the net and didn't do shit. Well, here's the thing. He didn't go towards him. He backed off. 
Nuts. Dude, that guy is right there, point blank in your goal. You're not going towards him. He Thomas was the guy that started that. He takes the first shot and he and he backs off. I'm like, why are you backing off? Makes Lay that guy sense. out. I was about to say, go confront, cover the area. You just let a guy just walk it on your goalie unimpeded as you're a freaking a, a, a foot away, and you just let him take multiple attempts and shots at the net. I'm just like, why? He backed up because I rewatched it. He backed up instead of confronting. He backed up. Jeremy F. saying, Pelic is sitting at plus 14 on a team that is minus 14, and Pelic plays the most ice time. That says a lot for Pelic's game. He's our best defensive defenseman. It's not even close for a second. I'd say he's uh, like defensive defenseman wise. I'd say he's the best defensive defenseman in the NHL. I can mm, make an argument. For I'm that. not going that far, but he's by far our best defensive defenseman. Michael C says, "I love Barzal, but the team has seemed to come to rise without him." I here's the thing. I I think we we can't get too caught up on. It's a four game span we're talking about with that map Barzal, and I get it right. We scored goals. Look at the teams we scored. We beat the we beat the Ducks. We look dominant against the Ducks. Simple as that. When we lost the Avalanche, we scored three goals, albeit. How many weak goals did did uh, did Grubauer let in? Oh yeah. no, not Grubauer. I'm sorry. Who was in net for them when we played them? Um, Kemper. Kemper. I mean, how many weak goals did Kemper let in? I mean, he looked yeah. awful that night. And when we look at like, okay, we've looked more offensively engaged as of recent. It could be as simple as, hey, now we don't. Ha- now we have somebody. Else. We've got instead of Zidane Char on the ice, we've got Sebastian Ajo. We've got we've got Noah Dobson. Now we've got Andy Green again. Andy Green, a more well rested Andy Green, might I add, than Zidane Char. I'm saying defensively, I think Noah Dobson has has had has mixed it up a little bit more on his forechecking and zone entries, and that's helped out our team immensely when it comes to offensive production. Also without Anders Lee, because there's no movement. That was only Anders. one game, right? Anders Lee? Yes. But he was demoted from the first line. I'm just drawing the Barzell comparison. Okay, so yeah, say he was without, not, not Anders Lee, not on the ice, but Anders Lee, not on the first line. Yes, with Barzell. That line was dominant because you had two guys who skate on it. It's the same reason why Bavillier, Barzell, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Everly was such a good line. They all skate. Anders Lee doesn't skate. Are you, because you're not being very clear right now, are you talking about when Matt Barzal was playing with Jean-Gabriel Pajot and Parise? That's totally different. We're talking about since Matt Barzal's been out is what I was saying. Oh, since Barzal. Okay, but I'm just saying that you're saying that Barzal, the team seems like they're more productive with Barzal out. I say hogwash because they were good. Barzal was good, and the team was scoring goals when Palmieri and Parise even though it was just a few games, were on the ice together. They were that line was very, very productive. Okay. That's all gotcha. I'm saying. Gotcha. Um, gotta say Bingington was trash. Yeah, he did not look good. The backups played better than he has this season. So um Christmas says uh, they have good defense and the players and the talent is there. Bailey and Nelson have to do something on that goal that Thomas scored. And you know, that's the problem again. Barry not giving someone else a shot, he's going to ride those guys that he trusts. But if you're not that good, is it really conducive to better hockey play? If that's Oliver Wallstrom who's standing there as a guy's walking in on on that unimpeded, and he's not confronting a guy. What do you think? What? Let's assume. And again, I I'm just going to venture out. It didn't cost us a game, so it's not the end of the world. But if Oliver Wallstrom did that, 
and someone said, what do you think about Oliver Wallstrom's goal? He would have very candidly said, well, he scored a goal, but on a defensive side of the puck, and he'd immediately go ahead and downgrade the success that he had in the offense and said, why did you not confront that guy that led directly to a goal? He would not do that to Bailey. And he would have shredded him in the news conference. And that's, see, that, that's my, that's my Barry Trotz problem really is that is he doesn't treat everyone with the same respect or whatever, where he doesn't call it straight for what it is with veterans as he does with younger players. Hmm. Mm-mm. That's always the issue about it too. Jeremy Ford said, I love to see Bellos in Nelson's spot on the half boards. The kid, ju- the kid uses his shot. Absolutely. Jeremy watches the kid uses shot. I'm sorry. Jeremy watches the games. He knows. He's not watching them off a phone either. I'm going to tell you that much. Oh, that's cute. That was a cute one. Um, but uh, I'll tell you this. Brock Nelson scored again today. I know how you dislike Brock Nelson so much. On pace to score for 30 goals this season. On pace for a career year when it comes to goals production. Let's see what actually happens. Was he at 19 goals right now? He's got 20. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. That's all I said. Let's see what happens. He has 20 goals. That'd be like you saying, okay, right now uh, Shesterkin's playing fantastic hockey, but let's see what happens. Let's see if he falls off the edge of the year. Again, TJ, you're making these guarantees that Nelson is going to score at least 30 goals. You don't know that. You said he's on track. Holy shit. Do you not listen to what I said? I said he's uh, on track right now to score 30 goals. That's a career high in goals for him if okay. you were to do that. Okay. Well, let's fire career high was 26. Would you think he could score six goals in the last, what, 30 games of the season? I Maybe. think there's a likelihood. Maybe. A high likelihood that that could But happen. the Montreals are off our schedule now for the rest of the year. <sighs> but he will be out there like uh, in empty net situations. That should help him out a little bit. Christ Almighty. I, I just think you overate Brock Nelson. I think he's you're good. like Barry Trotz of freaking our Islanders sometimes. You're the Barry Trotz of you're the Barry Trotz. You you do the Barry Trotz youth routine against Brock Nelson. It's infuriating. I infuriating. you didn't let me finish. I think Barry Trotz, uh, I'm sorry, I'm thinking Brock Nelson has probably been the most improved player under Barry Trotz, without a doubt. But I think you overrate him. That's all I'm saying. He's a he's a, he's a solid second line center. That's what he is. And you always want to, you always opine to trading him. I'm just saying I, the guy puts up points. If, he, uh, what I'm saying is if somebody offers you two first round picks for Brock Nelson, yes, you have to take it for a center who's in his 30s. Oh, man. That's all. Chara will not get traded. Will get traded, he says. I'm sorry, will get traded. Um, Chase uh. saying here against the Kings, that's when he went out. Christmas saying um, he has to get off the IR first, but hopefully um, he does that so they can get something for him. And it's an upper body injury there, Grumpy Old Man. Frank G saying, hi, what's up? What's up, Frank? Rich A saying, the Islanders, the season is over. There is zero reason to rush Barzal back, especially with how important his skating is to his game. True, true. Um, Rich A said, what if Chara got Taves just like Hickey? Not sure what that means. Me neither. I'm lost. And didn't get and doesn't come back for the rest of the season. Hmm. Uh, fourth round pick, Chris thinks you can get for Zidane and Chara. Okay. Frank K saying here, Dobson's a joy to watch. He's so confident now. It's because Barry's taking the shackles off of him. Period. That's the reason. When you take the shackles off of young players, you see what they're actually capable of doing. And he's done that with Dobson. 
credit to Barry for that. It took him a long time, but he's finally done it. And you're seeing the results. I don't understand why it took him so long. I don't understand why he can't say, okay, I'm going to show confidence in a kid. And like he doesn't understand how it works with a young man who's trying to break his way. It's not like this is his first year coaching. He's been an NHL coach for what, two decades, two plus decades. He should understand that. Well, but he, he doesn't believe in that. That's the whole thing. He believes in veterans. You have to, if for you to get a chance to shine, you have to play my game first. Okay. Christmas saying, in my opinion, if you're playing uh, and you have zero chance to play in the postseason, you w- you would have to want to be traded. Yeah, except when you get like really old or much older, you're thinking about some other things. He's already won a Stanley Cup. I mean, he's living without his family now. Does he want to move again for a month or two? What's the difference between living without his family for the rest of the year and living without his family and having a chance to make a playoff cup run? Maybe What's he's got that? a nice maybe he's got a nice apartment next to Kyle Palmieri's house or something. So and he doesn't want to move to somewhere like uh I don't know, wherever. Name some crappy city. Just Edmonton. I, I'm just I'm just kind of shocked. That I ju- we just continue to see that. Oh, if he doesn't want to be traded, in all likelihood, Lou won't trade him. I'm sorry. I uh, I agree. I agree with that. I, I don't. I I think it's foolish. I don't. You know me. Hey, if you're not performing, or I can get something for you on an expiring deal, see you later. J.K. said Dobson is a stud in the offensive zone. For certain, he is. Yep. Um, Jerry Ben, we've done this, Jerry Ben, before. He said, pull up a picture of a praying mantis and Zidane Ochoa side by side so we can compare. We've done this before, I'm pretty sure. Um, sure. And uh, he is. He looks like he looks like a he looks like a praying mantis. David D. saying here, um, Lou Lamarillo is a player's general manager. He will not make any trades unless he discusses it with the player out of respect. They say no. Uh, he won't trade a player like Zidane Ochara, even probably Parise. It's my opinion. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong. I think you're right with your opinion. That's how that's how Lou Lamarillo is. I'm just saying that's not a good way to. That's not that's not a good business decision. Sorry. Simple as if, that. If you're like 80 years old and you're a GM, do you really think that? And you want to win a Stanley, one more Stanley Cup before you retire? Can you really afford to continue to think like that? I mean, what's more important, winning a championship or, you know, I, I don't know. I, to me, it's a business. I mean, I, I'm not saying that you send Chara to, you know, Montreal wherever. or anything, but yeah, but you're trying to move guys to teams that are contenders so they have a chance to compete for a cup. And that's exactly how I would sell it, except for Josh Bailey, Arizona. Here, here you go. You're going to be able to play in front of a huge crowd, Josh Bailey. This is where you can let your career flourish. Yeah. I don't know. I look at it like this. I think you're right with that thought process. That's what Lou's going to do. But here's the thing. I'm sorry. It, it's simple. It's business decision, not personal. I, I don't know how many more times I have to try to relay that to people. Business, it, you know. not personal, Sonny. Let, let me ask you this. Has Lou's fantastic personal relations won us any players that have put us over the top nope right has this has this ideology of hey i'm old-fashioned i'm going to ask if a player wants to stay here grumpy and uh stay here or not or if he wants to go ahead and leave i i'm sorry i just it it won't bring us and it won't net us a, a big name free agent hasn't and it won't <laughs> simple as that Agreed. right that's the only reason you do that hey we can bring in a great free agent well it hasn't won us favor with any of those yet yeah 
and I'm not questioning Lou's. Uh, here's the thing. It's admirable to be like that. I have admiration for him for being like that, but it is a business. That's my whole thing. It is a business. Yeah, for certain it is. Georgiev's had a bad season, I agree. Varlamov is better, in my opinion. He's played better than you think this year. He loses games because nobody was scoring. Yeah, that has a more to do with the losses, I think. Yeah, I just, I just think he's a solid goalie. That's it. That's all I've ever thought of him. Despite age, I'm taking Varlamov before Georgiev. He's more proven. Yep, I agree. Yep, and Varlamov also has playoff experience. What about Vegas? They need a goalie. They won't go after Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, well, here's the thing. They've got Robin Leonard supposed to be coming back in the near future. But here's the thing. I'm not sold on Robin Leonard being a guy that could win you and get you deep into the playoffs. I I was always surprised that they moved Flurry. to be honest with you. He's the older goalie. They yeah, want but, a guy who has more of a window. Okay. Do you think they asked him if he wanted to go? The answer is no, because he was pissed that they traded him. He didn't want to go to Chicago. I mean – and guess you what? Know, they said, well, screw it. It's a business decision. We're sitting pretty. We're acquiring assets for you. That's that's my point. Simple. So uh, Jer Ben says here, it would be funny if Chara had really small Johnston attachment or attached to his enormous frame. What size shoe do you think he has? Probably pretty big. Oh, a small Johnston. Oh, God. Oh. I thought you were talking about Johnston. I, here's the thing, Grump. I had to work, and then we had the podcast, and now we're on to this. Uh, David D. said, Lou, like Trots, uh, there could be no wrong. They could do no wrong, guys. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of fans that think that. No one is infallible. No one. Matthew S. says, by the way, if you look at the play again, the stick made contact with the puck at the same level as the crossbar. See, I thought they had that ice view, and I thought – I his thing, on first look, I thought, oh, that's a high stick. I watched it on NHL Network. They had an angle for us where I thought it was above the – I thought that the, the blade of the stick was slightly above the goal line. Here's the thing. I'm happy it didn't cost us the game because if we were in playoff contention and that got reversed and it resulted in us losing, I would have been livid beyond all belief. Here it is. It's kind of like a moot point. Does it help, you know, the goal stats and the pads? For certain it does. But here we're in tank mode. I, I you know, every game I, as I've talked about on the podcast earlier, I'm conflicted. I want them to lose every game for a better draft position. There's like really, you know, nine or ten really top tier players in this year's draft. You don't want to be on the outside looking in because you win a whole bunch of frivolous games when you know the playoffs are already a lost cause. During That's the, what I don't want to have happen. During the dark times, how many years would it be the Islanders were the worst team in the league and look the worst team in the league? But at the end of the year, they go on a spurt and win like seven of the last nine games and take themselves out of running for the first spot in the draft. I can't tell you how many times that happened or dropped from second of the draft to fifth in a four-player draft. And these guys, are at that point in time, at the end of the year, I always it always bothers me um, because all of a sudden they play way better than they did all year long. And, but then it's like, okay, well, I got to save my job. I don't want guys like that on my team. Rich A said, I got TJ on this one, Grumpy. He said, we may even be able to get a first since teams overpay. Grumpy then says, we're the only dumbasses that overpay. That exactly sounds like what happened. Thank you, Rich A. And Jerban says, Grumpy reminds me of Don Vito. And not Don Vito Corleone from The Godfather, but the bumbling idiot on the show, Viva La Bam, uh, from 2005. Bam, I guess, drunk, perverted uncle, I have no idea. Uh, total Grumpy vibes. I don't I don't remember that. Um, and then uh, I think TJ said a second, maybe a first. 
Um, and I agreed uh, we can get a first via bidding war. Matthew S. said, I need someone to take at least half of that cap hit on Bailey's remaining contract. Mm. I'd be shocked if you got a first for Parise. Uh, clutter sighting. Um, where's your sparky outfit? Oh, gosh. Um, I Or cutler sighting. Cutler. Decut. Um, ooh, there it is. Uh, Matthew S., I... I don't think you have to go ahead and have you don't have to take or retain half the cap hit. I don't know. I think Arizona, if that's one of the appealing things to Bailey, you get five million towards your cap. You know the cap floor. You're a team that's in financial straits, and I think you pay him four million and then three million the year after. So you pay him less than what the actual AAV is on the contract. I think that's what makes him appealing to a team that's just trying to make sure they keep costs as low as humanly possible as you only have 5,000 fans in the stands every game. A maximum of 5,000 fans. I'm sorry. willing to take salary. I mean, that's the whole thing. They need to get to the floor. I think they're willing to take AAV. So, like, if you have a guy who's towards the tail end of his contract and he's got seven or eight million on the books, but in reality he's only getting paid three million in cash. I think the league runs the team. The league runs the team. No one has more money than the league does. The, the league, league owns the Arizona Coyotes. The league was late on its payments to. <laughs> but I think his actual dollar payment, actual dollar payout is less than $5 million per. Talking about Josh Bailey? Yes. That's, the next two years. I don't think his average salary. I mean, what, if they only care about is, the, is the, the cap hit, they don't have to pay the money, but they still get the cap hit. Where's the downside for them? Oh, my gosh. Are you disagreeing or agreeing with me? I don't even know what you're saying now. Holy shit. I said Josh Bailey is going to have an average cap hit of five million. So it's right. going to get them to the cap floor. Right. But they don't actually have to pay him five million. They pay him three and a half each year. Yeah. That's what I agree with. Okay. You said it like you didn't agree with me. No, I'm just not reading the comments. It was like you didn't agree. Need someone to take at least half of the cap hit on Bailey's remaining deal. I don't think so. I don't think it's necessary at all. As I say, for a losing team, well, you said, oh, well, they're owned by the league. I said, well, a team that's trying to keep expenses low. Holy shit, Grumpy. You're confusing the hell out of me right now. Yeah. But like I said, they have to pay only three and a half million. Yes. And they get the benefit of the five. Why would they not do that? Yep. That's that's what I said. But I said, it's, because they're trying like, to keep expenses low. And you literally told me, well, the league, they've got all the money. They don't need to worry about keeping expenses low. I said, you, what are you talking about? Do you remember when we had to trade a second round draft pick? Think about this. To get Tuka Rask's contract? No, to get Tim Thomas's contract. That's right. That's who it was. $5 million just to get to the cap floor. Think about that. that. Those Those are the dark times. Thank God those are over is right. More likely, Bailey's going to get moved in the offseason. Yeah, now's the time to move. They want to say that they're – Arizona says they're willing to take contracts. Move them. Mark A. Mark A. saying, I'm loving Paul Mary. He's played well as of late. He really right. has the last few last I would say what the last handful of games, like the last month, he's really turned it on. He looked fantastic. There was a play where Noah Dobson entered the zone and was able to get the puck to Paul Mary. And Paul Mary made fantastic moves to get the St. Louis defense. And he had an opportunity to score and it just deflected out of play. He looked certain sequences, he looked fantastic today. I don't want this to sound wrong, but all of a sudden, when the season's over, he's starting to produce. I don't know. It's one of those things that kind of drives me a little bit crazy. 
Jeremy Ford saying, how much do you have to add in a move for Arizona to take Bailey in his contract? I don't think he really – I think he might actually get paid to have Bailey. A fourth-round pick? Maybe you get a fourth-rounder for him? He's a, he's a veteran. He can help you, you know, through this dark time period that is that Arizona's in, teach these guys, hey, this is what it's like on a winning team. This is what it's like to establish, you know, a mantra. This is what it's like to establish a, 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 an, uh, an identity which the Islanders have always had an identity, even when they were bad, they always had an identity with the core that they've had. So I don't know. I think you may actually get paid to get rid of Josh Bailey. Yeah, I don't think you're going to have to give up assets for him because he can still play. Not well. Mark saying we look fast today too. Addition by subtraction. That's what I. That's the way I look at it. David D said, hey, grumpy old man, you always lived in North Carolina. What part? So many Long Islanders uh, are moving to Carolina, moving to Carolina people. And my friends, my friends of mine, uh, besides Florida, I've been here since 1988, actually 1988, and I live right outside Charlotte. Um, yeah, Chris Smith also agree with you. Barzal plays with Lee, and that's not a good fit. Even Otto Quivla is better than Anders Lee. He showed, you know, in his seven and a half minutes of ice time, he showed a lot of hustle out there today. Mark A saying Mayfield playing well as of late. Maybe that's because he's got Sebastian Ajo playing with him, so he's able to play his role, and Ajo is able to play his role as the guy who carries a puck out. Tony the Werewolf says here, Russia and Ukraine have better diplomatic relations than you two. <sighs> uh, there it is, Tony. There it is, Tony. Um, and uh, Palmieri has been playing well as late. Absolutely. David D also saying, I love you, Grumpy. Uh, I love you, Grumpy old man. You're right more often than not. I feel the same way you do. Thank you, David. And then Dobson is our best defenseman since Potvin. Will be our best Will defenseman be. since Potvin. Thank you. Um, Very possible. Potvin, he was special, though. Potvin, uh, yeah. Potvin, physical, played defense, played offense. He was fantastic. Denny Potvin, man, great. Great player. Um, Got a comment here. I'll let you read that, Grumpy. Yeah, I agree, Rich, but I did like Kasparitis and Malakov. Yeah, I like Darius Kasparitis as well. And uh, Malakov, yeah, was, Vladimir Malakov was really good too. I think Dobson could be a 60-point player, maybe seven. I was about to say, on, on a team that valued offense more and wanted to have a higher – the team that played today's style of NHL, he could have 70 points in a season. He'd be you know hovering around 60, maybe have a chance at 70. Brian McCabe, uh, best since Johnson. Oh, yeah. Straight was awful. Yikes. Points wise. Um, points wise, though. I'd pay a second round pick to trade that bum Lee. Well, unfortunately, he's got the full no trade clause. Um, unfortunately. Uh who is this, Grump? Ken Leiter and Tom Curvers and Adrian Acoin were good offensively. I say Ken Leiter. Those are some dark Ken, Tom Curvers. He just I think he just passed away this year. I remember him more with the Devils than with the Islanders. Trotz needs to play Wallstrom and Bellos more than 10 minutes a game. I agree. 100% agree. I absolutely agree. Jeremy's saying, I think the responsibility is shared. Uh, too much trying to shove a square peg in a round, through a round hole, though. The team's play is determined by the system they have to play against. True. Um, Lee should be on the third line. I agree, Mark. He's, he's a third liner at this point. He's, he's, he's not even a good third liner because he doesn't play any defense. He's a guy who doesn't skate well. He's a guy who stands in front of the net. But here's the thing. How much is standing in front of – I mean, I guess you could say he's 
mean, Matt Morton stands in front of the net, I guess. But I Kiefer just Bellows, Kiefer Bellows stood in front of the net today. Yes, he did. He can win those battles in front of the net, but I'm like, you don't need to ever pay Kiefer Bellows seven million dollars a year either. <laughs> For a seventh of the salary, he does what Anders Lee does, but better. Rich A says here, this year in a nutshell, one year older, the oldest team in the league, two back-to-back long playoff runs, a full season, and and the schedule. And here's the thing, Rich, if you realize it, since it was two shortened seasons, you just add the playoffs, they would just like play three 82-game seasons in a row. And we run out of gas at the end because we're older. No harm in that, but you need to, they the, the management needs to recognize that and try to rectify it moving forward. That's all. Uh, Jeremy Ford, this is your point. He says, Islanders can play teams like the Bruins and the Blues all day long, but when high-flying scorers come with their speed, uh, that's when the system and the age of the team are grossly exposed. Right, and I mentioned that I on that. the uh, the game broadcast. I said, yeah, we can we match up with the Blues, but, you know, like Carolina, Florida, Tampa, the Rangers, uh, we just don't match up with those teams. Uh, Jake, two minutes past per second, he says, in my opinion, uh, who's to blame is uh, overall 75% on Lou, 25% on Barry. Uh, if we're not stuck with Zidane Chara and Green on the same team at the, uh, on the same team at the same time, Barry would not have the option of playing them at the same time. In my opinion, our defense have exponentially gotten worse since the 2018, 19 seasons. Um, we have uh, we would not have been stuck with Leo Komarov um, for the first three plus seasons uh, at that awful contract. That's why I think it's more on Lou than Barry. Yeah, you talk about Lou's. I mean, Lou's contract with Leo Komarov did hurt and it forced essentially Devon Taves out a year early as well. Signing back Matt Martin, Anders Lee, etc. Anders Lee. Jordan Everly. I'm not going to include Nelson there because uh, honestly, Nelson has performed up to his contract without doubt, but the other guys, no, they haven't. Mm. Mm. Uh, uh-oh. Islanders insider. This is via Andrew Gross says Lou Lamarillo is satisfied with the growth of the young players. There's going to be stumbling blocks. You accept that from them. Um, but you, but you do not accept that from veterans. My God. Well, the sure as hell doesn't do that on the ice. Okay, but well, you well, this is Lamarillo who has said that not trots, right? Yes. Because to me, the veterans are the ones who aren't performing and are making the defensive mistakes, not the younger guys. The young guys occasionally do, but the older players, the veterans, have not performed the well this year, particularly on the defensive end. Jake also saying here, um, I don't blame the players at all. I frankly feel sorry for players like Komarov. It's not his fault that Barry puts him in the wrong spot. True. And Lee should be making half the money that he does. Bailey needs to be out, <laughs> out of here yesterday. And the fourth line um, isn't the same. Johnson should be playing over Martin. 100% agree. Uh, Sorokin, six in save percentage, but number one in our hearts for certain. Yes. Owen J. Owen Johnson says, let's go Islanders. Paulo C says Grumpy, Trottier, Bossy, Potvin, Gillies, Tanelli, Nystrom, Goring, Bourne, uh, Brett, Dwayne, um, Stefan Pearson, Billy Smith. What a team. It's and they Brent. still get emotional. What? It's Brent, not Brent. Brett. What a team. I still get emotional when I think of that team. Absolutely. I just re- I just look at the names and it gives me goosebumps. 
They were so good. Now, would they be able to play in today's NHL? Probably not. You know, you're talking about 50 years ago, whatever it was. That's a long time ago. But still, I mean, man, were they great for their time. <laughs> Drill says, uh, why not see Bellows play on the first line left wing? Uh, I'm going to tell you what. When Barzell was centering and he had Parise and Palmieri, I really liked that line. It, it performed. It played well. They hustled for every puck. I think their their skills kind of meshed well together. Yes. Again, even though Parise is not what he used to be, I think – Barzal was able to elevate Parise's game, and Parise was able to elevate Barzal's game. We, you're, oh, that fell off, bro. Ooh, look at that. <laughs> there we go. How's that? <laughs> oh, good. Uh, Matthew has said the Nelson haters got really quiet today. Grump, <clears throat> cough, cough. Not me. I didn't think he played great today. Overall, <sighs> overall, I don't think I don't think he played great today. Overall, so if he finishes this season, let's say with sixty <sighs> points. Or he finishes the season with 50 He's not going to have 60 points. That's not happening. He's got 30 points in 42 games. He's been playing better as of late. Okay, you realize we don't have another 40 games left in the season, right? We got 30 games left in the season. We're already 52 games in a year. I believe so. Damn. This year's flown by. This, this. I'm trying to... Uh, ooh, yeah. Yeah, there it is. Sure enough. Yeah, we're like we got we got thirty games left. Fair enough. Yeah, so I mean, if you want to play the coulda, woulda, shoulda game, and like I said, the easy games on our schedule pretty much over now. Jason C saying Nelson will finish with twenty five goals. I think that's probably that's probably fair. Christmas saying Grumpy Man, you might not want to play Montreal right now. LOL. Um, I don't. I still don't think Montreal is very good. Um, Matthew S said you would sign up for that every year. 25 goals out of Brock Nelson. I would for certain. Nelson's one of the best snipers that we've had in the last couple of years, but soft. And we do need goal scoring so I can live with them. I'm what I'm talking about. If someone offered you two seconds for uh, two first round picks for Brock Nelson, you have to do that. Holy shit. Then you're saying we have nothing. We're going full, complete rebuild. I, I just, I mean, you have to get the most out of your assets. He's 30. He's going to be 31 years old. He's not going to be getting better. He's not going to be getting better. You got the best out of Brock Nelson's career these last three years under Barry Trotz. That's the best he was ever going to play. And he has been good. And I came off my stance where I didn't want him resigned. He absolutely earned the money and the contract that he got. But on the back end, 31, 32, 33 years old, he's not going to be the same player. He just isn't. And he's not – here's the thing. He's never going to be a first-line guy. Like with Barzell out, we're lacking first-line. That's why Pajot is with the first line now. Evel says, would Florida want Mayfield and Clutterbuck? They don't have a first-round pick to give us. I don't know what we'd want from them. I bet they would like Mayfield. And Clutterbuck, I think that I don't think they're good enough defensively to win the whole thing. I just don't. Uh, Chris Smith says here, Mark Andre Fleury to the Blues, maybe. So you trust their backup? I think their backup is better than uh, Binghamton. Who's yeah, that? Yeah, Binghamton knew it was a high stick. He mentioned it immediately. I knew they called the goal off. He was very sure of himself. 
yeah, just one of those things. I'm just happy it didn't cost us. Yeah. Um, and then Frank also saying, I love Nelson. He's really good. Uh, I've got two bobbleheads in a jersey. For some reason, I still believe in a tiny glimmer of hope uh, to make the dance. Uh, it will be the biggest comeback. No. Um, Eve also says here, uh, Parker Weatherspoon called up today. He played it all. No, he didn't play, unfortunately. Didn't even dress. Will he play it all? Um, oh, I think uh, here's the thing. I would want to see him play some games just to see what he looks like at the NHL level because you never know. Maybe if he looks, shows something, some scout says, hey, we can work with him. If you and I have no shot to play for the Islanders, it's like, okay, maybe he gets a throw in that maybe gets you, you know, an extra a higher pick rating. I don't know. Anything. Showcase mm -hmm. these guys. You might as well. Mm. And then uh, Drew L says here that Palmieri trade is still an is that Palmieri trade still an F minus grump? Absolutely, absolutely. Because you've what had three good weeks out of two years. Yeah, that's not good enough to increase your grade. Um, you see Palmieri in front of the net. Oh my God, it was Barzal like between the legs. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, that was really really good, really good move. We don't see enough of that from him. Rich A said, you got to move Mayfield for the most valuable asset. He's the most valuable asset we've got. And again, if you hold on to him longer, the less valuable he is. He's on a fantastic deal. If you're not going to win a cup next year and you think you're still, you know, a little bit away, trade Mayfield now. Yeah, don't, I don't go ahead and lose your lose out on yourself like extra assets. Don't do that. I still don't think that they're moving him for some reason. No, they're not going to do that. Mm -mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Tony's hit Werewolves of London. Uh, I'm going to sit in the corner right now. Is that actually a song, Werewolf of London? You never heard Werewolves of London? No. By Warren Zevon? No. Ow! Werewolves of London. Ow! No. No? Ugh. Absolutely not. Okay. All right. Listen to it. You got to, yeah, it's a classic song. Thank you. You got, look it up later. Mario says, if Lamarillo never re-signed Thomas Hickey, Devon Taves would still be here. If he would have just traded Nicoletti, Devon Taves would still be here. That's all he had to do. If he never would have signed Leo Comroth, Devon Taves would still be here. I feel like we could say that about so many of the bad freaking... Matt Martin. If, <laughs> if The list goes on and on. It does. It's all the little moves. Here's the thing. He... I just don't think that he's creative enough with the salary cap. He's got somebody, a capologist that he I don't might. think he does. No, he does. They have one on staff. Well, this guy should be fired. Well, I assume how those meetings You're fired. I, I assume usually how those meetings go with this young guy is like Lou, what we need to do is this to maximize what we can do so we can do XYZ. And Lou's like, You don't know anything, you kid. I'm gonna do things my way. I, I very rarely do I think he actually listens to a capologist. At least via the moves, it doesn't look like he does. And what do you have one for if you're not going to listen to him? Jeremy F. says here, uh, one can only hope uh, the mentors of Parise, Green, and Chara uh, will have long-lasting effects on Dobson, uh, Wallstrom, Barzal, and I think he meant Bellows there, um, in learning to be a professional hockey player. Yeah, I, I think they will. That's what, that's what all veterans do at the tail end. We're not the only team that has veterans who do that. Joe Thornton has really been good at that. Uh, Deidre C says, we don't need a wholesale changes. Uh, just a few uh, that have to go. Bad contracts have done this team in. 100% agree. 
Until sure. you start moving some of those, you're still in the same conundrum that you are right now, though. Joseph C. saying here, I felt like the Islanders picked up two offensive-minded top six forwards. And um, if, I'm sorry, if the Islanders pick up two offensive-minded top six forwards and a solid top four defenseman in the offseason, they would compete for a playoff spot. I think they'd be in really good shape. They'd be in fantastic shape if that happened. The whole the problem is you have a glut of guys who are populating your top six who make a lot of money now that you're going to have to move some of them out to give these guys a shot. That's the whole thing. All those long-term, you have to move some of the long-term contracts for underperforming players to bring in new offensive-minded players to put on your top six. That's the issue. Until you move some of those guys out, you're stuck with what you have. Matthew S says uh, they're not getting two second round pick, two first round picks for him. I'd be shocked if you got a first and a second for Brock Nelson. And if you got two number one for, if you got two first round picks for Nelson, he has to be gone. Uh, what, in your opinion, do you think Mayfield can bring us from a trade? Mayfield, I promise you, would bring you two once. I have that feeling. Uh, here's the thing: I will state one more time for the fifteen millionth time. He's a defensive defenseman. He's physical. He plays a playoff style of hockey. He's a top four defenseman on almost every team in the NHL, and he's guaranteed for you this year and next year at $1.45 million. You have two years of a guy who's going to be a fantastic defensive defenseman for you. And I'll say that again. If someone offered you two first-round picks for Scott Mayfield, you have to trade him. Yes, but the team would not. Lou Lamarillo would not. I don't think Lou ever will trade Mayfield because he firmly believes the team can compete for a cup next year. And you're not going to trade a guy who is a valuable defensive asset for you that only makes $1.45 million and is a veteran as well with playoff experience if you plan on competing for a cup. It's just not something they could, they could go a few, they can offer you three first round picks and Lou wouldn't do that if he wants to win a cup. Yeah, I'm just saying that a team that, let's be honest, we're not going to compete for a Stanley Cup anytime soon. That's why if someone makes you offers on those players who even though they're integral pieces of your squad right now, you have to say yes, okay. But you have to be realistic, right? Okay, we're not good enough to win a Stanley Cup. We're just not. And you look at the teams in our conference who have just blown by us like we're standing still. You have to say, okay, we're going to have to do things a little bit different. And sometimes you have to make those painful decisions. As good as Brock Nelson has been, as good as Scott Mayfield has been, if somebody's offering you two ones for either one of those players, you have to say, for the long-term interest of the team, it's better to move those guys. Yeah, absolutely. We're here at the end today of the podcast, Grump. What do you want to say before we wrap things up? I just want to say love and laughter to everyone who listens, and even those who don't, from TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We had a good afternoon Islanders game and uh, had a little post-game podcast that we're wrapping up today. Um, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We'll be joining you guys. We'll be live tomorrow for TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. That's in the link in the description below and as a featured page on our YouTube channel. That is tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll be back with Islanders action. I believe they play on Monday against the Colorado Avalanche. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and thank you, Grumpy Old Man. My pleasure.